Blog Talk Radio. Glamour Fearless, Diva Talk Radio. Hey, Divas and Dudes, are you ready? Because this is it. I'm ready to welcome you to Diva Medic's Diabetes Roundtable Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Medic, and I just got off the main stage at New York American Diabetes Association Expo. I had such a fantastic time that I wanted to say to all the divas in New York, thank you for stepping into my life because I'm oh so happy to welcome you to this one-hour whirlwind of wellness. Tonight, we're promoting R&B. R stands for Rhythm with Melba Moore, and B stands for Blue, as in the Blue Heel Society with Thomas Moore. Plus, I've got more and more divas coming up this hour with the Charlie's Angels of Outreach, Mama Rosemarie, and our digital diva, Taryn from Boston, as well as our very own poet, Lorraine Brooks, joining the conversation. But before we get things started, I wanted to share with you that this Tonight's show kicks off DivaBetics' yearly March of the Divas fundraising campaign. All month long, we will be bringing you more Divas than ever before, with not one, not two, but three podcasts featuring wonderful, beautiful, and Tony Award-winning women who we hope will inspire you to live like a diva or a dude, which means being proactive about your diabetes. Show your support for our dazzling brand of diabetes outreach and donate today at divabetics.org. Your tax-deductible contributions are greatly appreciated. And thanks for tuning in, because guess what? We're hitting the hot topics right off the top tonight, because I'm in New York City, and one of the biggest uh, headlines in health today that's across the country is the New York soda ban. And from New York City Health Department, I have Kathy Nunes. Hi, Kathy. Hi. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for being on the show. Now, this uh, we were all set here to get get rid of those super-sized bottles, which I don't have any of sodas, and uh, you know only be able to buy 16 ounces. And then yesterday it was announced that a judge overturned the ruling. Can you give us a little backstory on the New York City soda ban? So it isn't a soda ban; it's a size restriction. Um, we really felt that if you if you think about obesity, which is definitely the chronic disease of this century and its relationship to type 2 diabetes, you've got to think that the largest class of extra calories and empty calories is really in sugar-sweetened beverages. And so we've been trying on all different levels to reduce it. We don't have any um, sugary drinks in vending machines in schools. All city agencies have a limit on the sugary beverages in their vending machines. We changed our food procurement guidelines, uh, et cetera. So we've really tried. We're working with hospitals to reduce their vending. Um, and so this is something that we've been doing for a long time. The idea of a portion size restriction is because we really felt that the um, – the beverage companies were pushing bigger and bigger portions. Uh, you know, you can get a 64-ounce. You can get free refills, you know, for a little 50 cents more. You can get a huge um, uh, container at your uh, local movie theater. And so we really had to figure out a way to get back to human-sized portions. Uh, I bet you don't know this, but in the 40s, uh, Coca-Cola actually had a print 
ad that had a 16-ounce bottle fed three people in your family. And now wow. a 16-ounce bottle doesn't, doesn't feed a four-year-old. It's a 20-ounce bottle that you have to get. So really, we wanted to get back to human-sized portions. And that's and what this is all about. There is research proving that if someone wanted to consume more soda, the idea of restricting, restricting the portion and only being able to buy 16-ounce versus a 32-ounce they really will stop and they won't purchase the second one. So a lot of people, I know because I've read all the papers in New York City, are saying like they just it doesn't make sense to them. But there really is factual information that shows that if people had to buy two rather than one, it would stop them and cut their soda consumption. Well, it would stop most of them. You know, I mean, you'd have to think twice. We know that it, whether it's food or whether it's drink, if you have a larger portion in front of you, you will eat and drink more. And and soda particularly, it doesn't have that satiety effect. So you're going to eat as much and drink and not feel that kind of fullness. So it is really kind of important to give somebody, as we said, a human-sized portion for them to at least give them some regulatory opportunity. And now... Um now we it was announced yesterday that a judge overruled it. So technically, how what are you are you going to be repealing this? What are you going to We're do? We're going to be appealing it. You know, we've done this before in calorie posting, for instance, in chain restaurants. We lost um, on the first round, and then we appealed and we won, and we're going to do the same thing here. And what do you think that time frame will be? I have no idea, actually. The appeals court can take a long time. We're we're moving as fast as we can, uh, and we hope, uh, you know, to get um, something as soon as possible, but you can't tell. You know, I love living in New York City. I think Mayor Brogler has done an outstanding job of, like you said, labeling the menus in all the restaurants. It really gives you that factual information. Getting so rid of trans fat. Absolutely. And I and I you're so passionate about it as well. Why are you so passionate about this specific health initiative? Well, you know, first of all, these are controllable things. Um and an environment should be healthy. I mean, it should be easy to find the healthier, make the healthier choice, harder to make the unhealthy choice. And I think that um, I know that there are a lot of people from um, different hospital organizations and, and different clinicians. When we, when we get a patient, and I'm sure all of your audience knows this, you know, you are constantly asking that patient to hold tight, to defend themselves against an environment that gives them short shrift. So you're asking that patient, you know, have this vigilance. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, don't eat the ice cream, don't have the soda, don't eat big portions, watch your blood sugars, all of that kind of stuff. It is public health that says the patient, the person, shouldn't be the sole responsible person for this kind of environmental change. But indeed, we should change the environment to make it easier for that person to be healthy, to stay healthy, to become healthier. I love it. Well, thank you for being a part of the show tonight and giving us that information. We appreciate having you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Straight ahead, everybody. It's time to meet the Charlie's Angels of Outreach. And we've got all the way from Long Island, it's Susan Weiner. Hi, Susan. Susan Weiner, are you there? 
I'm here. Can you hear me? I can. And I've got Patricia Addy Gentle on the line. Hello, Patricia. Hello, Max. Hello, Divas. Glad to be well, here. Welcome to the show. And Elaine Saporin, are you with us? Yes. Hi. Hi, ladies. Now, uh, Susan, I want to start with you because we were we finally got to meet in person last week at a D-Life taping. Tell everyone a little bit about what you're doing for D-Life. Well, for D-Life, I've been working with them for a number of years, and I was the medical producer on the TV show. I'm actually a member of the Medical Advisory Board, and last week I had the honor of doing a couple of segments for the TV show um, because I'm writing a book right now called The Complete Diabetes Organizer, Your Guide to a Less Stressful and More Manageable Diabetes Life. So we did some great segments on organizing the refrigerator and organizing the pantry, and I can't wait to see them, and it was wonderful meeting you there as well. All right, and Helene Saporin, your work at Mount Sinai Medical uh, Hospital as a social worker of the pediatrics department, but also you're the founder of DiabetesFamilies.com. I love this website. I think it's so wonderful that you're outreaching to people from a family perspective. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about Diabetes Families? Yes, yes. Well, at Mount Sinai, we are seeing children as young as eight years old actually being diagnosed with type 2 diabetes um, and uh, on insulin for type 2 diabetes. Uh, as young as 10 years old. And we're very familiar with type 1 in children, but type 2 is so needless and avoidable, and the management of it for children is different than uh, that for adults. So I decided to start DiabetesFamilies.com, so that uh, parents, families, and kids could find the information they needed to avoid this dreadful epidemic. All right, and, and Patricia, it's always fun to have you here with us from Atlanta. And Atlanta makes me think... Hot, hot, hot. That's why I went to that cue, people. So we're going to get right into our hot topic. You heard Kathy Noonan's earlier listeners talking about the New York City size restriction on soda. Tonight, um, I've also been reading the New York Times, Angels, and there's an article about the addictiveness of junk food. Patricia, I wanted to start with you and talk a little bit about this article, uh, really stating that scientists have been working around the clock for years now to figure out a formula with salt, sugar, flour, to help people become much more addicted to their favorite foods like Cheetos. What do you think? Well, you know, Max, I am happy that that's a topic that has come to the forefront because I feel that if the public is aware of this type of manipulation, you know, it gives us something to work with and to work around and try and avoid. And with the epidemic of obesity among all populations, including children, it is definitely something that we need to air and, and talk about, educate ourselves, be prepared for, and try our very best to decrease the pitfall of falling into that um, uh, manipulation. 
All right, and Susan Wiener, I mean, they were mentioning specifically that Cheetos is like this incredible food because it literally mouths in your mouth and it just makes people want more and more and more. Mm -hmm. uh, people are, who are listening to this are scratching their head wondering, what else can I eat? What do you like to say as a registered dietitian? I like snacks to satisfy but not overly stuff. So you want to try to find a balance when you're picking a healthy snack. Not everything has to be carrots and celery sticks. You can find some other really fun snacks and even snacks that aren't snacky snacks. How about if you like pickles because they're nice and crunchy, wrapping some turkey breast around a pickle and making just like a pickle sandwich with turkey, something fun like that. Or you can do some popcorn to crunch on, hummus and, and carrots, or even a spreadable cheese like laughing cow cheese on, how about this? Melba rounds in the spirit of Melba Moore. So you can do a lot of right, a lot of fun snacks that don't need to be Cheetos or or cheese doodles or or one of those snacks that are very fat, very high in fat and very high in salt. Do something fun. I love it. And Helene, I'm sure when you're counseling families around diabetes, this has to come up a lot with frustrating uh, frustration from the people who are in charge of shopping for the home. What's your reaction to this it, article? Exactly. Um, you know, the first thing that I tell people is that this is not really their fault. We are now fighting our environment, and we did not have this obesity epidemic uh, even 20 years ago because our source of food was so very different than it is now. We have so many processed foods, we're eating at many more fast food restaurants, and then, of course, all the uh, portions are supersized, which is why it is such a good idea to do, you know, control the size of sodas and go back to a normal portion. All right, good advice, Angels. I appreciate that. Guess what, everybody? I'm getting a little hungry because I see that one of my favorite divas is walking in the room, so I think I'm going to dine out with my favorite dietitian. Susan Wiener, registered dietitian, certified diabetes educator. You're dining out with me tonight to help our listeners become better eaters, not perfect eaters, when ordering off the menu. And in honor of our superstar diva who's going to be joining us in a few minutes, Melba Moore, I wanted to go Broadway with you tonight, Susan. I have my arm right in yours. Here we go. And I thought we should have dessert. So, uh, you know, divas like diamonds, but I like cheesecake. So I thought, can, a, can someone with diabetes even have dessert? So I thought we'd go to Junior's on Bro in, in Broadway, right there at 42nd Street, and grab something before the show starts. What do you think? I think it's a great idea. I think it's a wonderful idea. Do you like to have dessert before the show or the meal before dessert? What's your preference? Well, I think we're going to have something with a lot of calories, and uh, it's kind of it's better to sometimes I I like to switch it around just so I'm burning off more. I could burn a little bit off before the night's over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I was kind of confused, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are too. I'm looking at the menu, and I'm looking at the cheesecake because Juniors of Brooklyn is known for their cheesecake listeners, and it says diabetic-friendly cheesecake. Mm -hmm. why, would any, why would one be friendlier than another? When something is labeled as diabetic-friendly cheesecake and sugar-free, which is 
what I'm reading right now on the Junior's menu, it simply means that it doesn't contain sucrose or table sugar, but it probably has in it lactose or milk sugar. So the amount of total carbohydrate, even though it says sugar-free, may still raise blood sugar. So the best way to go into having our dessert at Junior's is to test your blood sugar and to know the range before you eat. And then you can make an informed decision. If you decide to have the sugar-free cheesecake, which again probably contains lactose, although it may not have sucrose in it, you know, have that if, if that's what you want and that's what works with your blood sugar range. But if you decide to have something that might be slightly more decadent, I'll split it with you. How's that? I love it. So the truth is, you know, because a lot of people don't want to see a registered dietitian because they're afraid they're going to point the finger at us and tell us we can't eat everything. And we just heard in the earlier segment how soda could be hazardous to our health. And now that these big Frito-Lay companies are kind of changing uh, the food we're eating to make us more addictive, the truth is so many of us want comfort food. And you're saying you could really sit down with anyone living with diabetes and kind of map out a strategy to keep them healthy and happy. There's, there's no question about it. And I think if you eat a smaller portion, sometimes, and call it a sometimes food, of what you enjoy and like, you're more likely to eat that sometimes and not all the time and enjoy it. And more often have the more healthy foods and and sometimes, again, have your small piece of cheesecake, and, and we can split it, or even split it three ways. I love it. Well, let's split it three ways, because I think my guest star, Special Diva, is in the house with us right now. I want to make sure, if I'm talking to R&B icon and Tony Award-winning actress Melba Moore. Melba? Uh, very healthy Melba Moore. Mel- oh, Melba, I'm so glad <laughs> you're here. to pass the boa and show us your new attitude. <laughs> Melba Moore, thank, thank you for being a part of the show. I know we had a little technical difficulty, so we're going to give you a standing ovation because you are an alternate diva. I have to tell you, I grew up in Rochester, New York. I listened to WDKX radio station. I was a little redhead kid who loved R&B, soul music, and this is it is like one of my favorite songs of all time that you sang. And I really love that song because what I feel you're saying in it is this is it. Like no matter what happened in the past, forget about it. This time I know it's a real thing. It's just so optimistic to me, the message in that song. And I, I think a lot of your music does that. I'm just curious, like when you're choosing songs, what goes in, what, what's going through your mind? Well, you, you know, that's interesting because I was just listening to all the um, the guests that you had on now, and I think the thing that I'm focused on now, because that's what the t- topic is, is how I'm able to be optimistic and stay fit and go through all of the manipulations that I know the food industry has had. Because I've, I've gone cold turkey with Pepsi, with lactose, <laughs> with bread, with all kinds of snack foods, with trying to figure out how... You, you know, for instance, because you can't afford to get laryngitis. So I discovered that I can't do ice cream and, and, and lactose. So you're really listening to your body as a diva so you can put on the best performance each and every day, whether you're on stage or off, right? 
What, well, yeah, because it's your life. It really is. And uh, when your body is the total instrument, you got to really pay. You got to pay attention. I thank God I never had diabetes or anything, but I have had pneumonia, bronchitis. Uh, I just, you know, that my body would break down in that way. And so, um, see, I probably wouldn't go to juniors because I, I wouldn't have the discipline to just have a little bit. But I really have had to, to learn how to do that. So, if I want to think about what song I like, I better think about what food I'm going to eat and not eat. I love it, and I love that you also know my founding diabetic inspiration. You knew Luther Vandross. Oh, absolutely, and I, I know the struggle that he had with his weight and with his health because um, I knew Luther when he was just a backup singer, and he was still doing a Kentucky Fried Chicken commercials. Right. And, and we were in the studio, and he would say, well, I'll sing for you, but i got to eat first. <laughs> that had to be such an idyllic time in New York uh, with the music scene in the 70s, was it? It seemed like everyone was kind of co-mingling. I mean, here you were doing Broadway. You replaced Diane Keaton in Hair. You went on to win a uh, Tony Award uh, for your role in Pearly. I mean, and then you're also doing, first you start out in disco, then you're doing R&B. I mean, it just seemed like there was a lot of free flow with music and sounds. Is that true? Well, I wouldn't say that it was free flow. We strategized and we worked and we um, um, I don't know, we, we really tried to see and, and push our way through and break down the barriers. Uh, for black people, records was the only way that we had to be a star. And so what happened with me, um, I started out as, out as a background recording um, studio singer, but on one of the recording sessions, um, I was doing the backup singing for Galt McDermott, who wrote the music for Hair. And that's how I got to be on Broadway. So I said, yeah, I'm the, you know, they they weren't asking us to audition. They wanted some interesting personalities, and they thought I was interesting. And they said, uh, you know, you can learn on the job. And, and uh, on the job, I wound up with the, the female lead. So um, it's not we were just free-flowing. We were trying to grab opportunities as they came. Well, and you, and then not only did you keep performing and and start having hit after hit after hit, but then you went on to form hushed management, looking at new and emerging talent, you actually discovered Melissa Morgan, who we've had on this show before, and you were also very instrumental in Freddie Jackson, who, for R&B fans, think of Freddie Jackson and Luther Vandross in kind of the same breath, in a, in a great way, right? <laughs> That's a compliment to both of them, I guess. Well, they really well, were um, like part of the quiet storm, along with you, in that yeah. big moment of, you know, R&B, I think, from the 80s, early 90s. Well, I'd just like to say once again, it's strategy. It's not just talent. Once the opportunity um, came for me on Broadway and I got a Tony Award and it really put me on the map, then I had the opportunity to actually be a lead female um, R&B recording artist. The opportunities came to me that way. And I got um, a great manager uh, who I married, and we started the company Hush Productions, and we started with me first, and then once... I um, got rolling, and of course, once you're in the recording industry, you have to keep working and strategizing to keep putting records out. That's why I got a lot, a lot of rec recordings and a lot of hits. Then once that um, path was laid out for me, we started to open the way for other artists. So it was a business. It wasn't just, you know, it happened accidentally. No, it is, and I wanted to tonight because I find your story so inspiring, and I wanted to share with the divas. Our big message is always, don't get down, get diva. And you have gone through your hardships as well as, you know, winning the Tony Award, being nominated for a Grammy for Lean On Me. But then you just mentioned your husband and hush, hush management. There was 
a very awful moment in your life that happened uh, with your husband, and yet I still feel like this bubbly attitude from coming from you radiates from you either through Facebook or just having you on the air. Can you share a little bit of what happened with your husband and Hush Productions and uh, with the audience? Uh, well, um, I really can't right now because there's a, 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 a criminal case going on now, and it's it's public, and it's I think it's inappropriate for me to speak about it now. And uh, it's kind of public knowledge. If you want to go on the internet and find out, you you can. It's but I don't think I should should speak upon it. But uh, I mean I mean in detail. But let's suffice to say the marriage ended very badly, and it, it ruined my career and my family. And I basically really had to start over again. And so it was very, very bad and very um, tragic, really, because it, it destroyed right. our family as well as our, our, our lives, you know, to a certain degree. And and the idea of starting over, I mean, this to me, listeners, parallels a lot of people being diagnosed with diabetes and just feeling overwhelmed in that moment. I, I, I know I'm making a big artistic leadway here with talking about this, Melba, but the idea is, like, when you had to start over, because you have this amazing success all the way up to that point, and now you find yourself starting over. From what I've read, you kind of turned inward, and you actually found the strength and the perseverance and the artistry to kind of put your whole story on stage. Yes. Uh, well, um, what had happened was I, uh, the rumor had been spread that I was a crack addict, so nobody would speak to me about anything. They And, and a lot of uh, things had gone on that were very damaging to people that I got blamed for. So essentially I was blackballed, I was shut down. So the only thing I could think of to do was to create business for myself, create work for myself. So I, I uh, tried to figure out how to be a playwright, and I wrote my own autobiography, and I figured out step by step how to get it up and how to get people to help me to turn it into a real um, um, a, a theater piece, uh, autobiographical play. And I've had it up for about 10 years now, and it's really good, and it, it really got me work. As a matter of fact, my little play got me into Les Mis. Richard J. Alexander, who was doing the casting for Les Mis at the time, saw my piece in workshop and said, wow, I never knew you had these other types of acting personalities. Uh, would you like to do Les Mis on Broadway and play the role of Fontaine? And he kept calling me and telling me that he was telling me the truth could have sounded like a fairy tale. They said, I know you don't believe me, but I'm telling you the truth. But my point is, starting from scratch and having no idea what to do, all the people that I asked, for instance, how do you, you know, get a, um, a play started, they were uh, kind of uh, high-end, so they would tell me to get an attorney and, and get uh, an accountant. But that already puts you in debt before you even begin. So I, I really started from scratch. I didn't have anything uh, uh, except um, my hope and my desire and my passion for life and, and I, I just adore singing <laughs> and acting i just adore it so i said well i don't want to teach school i don't i don't want to do anything else i want to just keep struggling at this and see what can happen and that's i, mean, I, I can't, I can't imagine it. how you found the strength to go on that stage for the very first time and open your heart and just tell your story and i know i go around the country now inspiring women with diabetes as well as men to kind of overcome those obstacles in their life to go on and enjoy and revel in what their life could become. And I just would like, love you to share with our audience, like Absolutely. Help, help them tonight 
someone right now is struggling listening to us, well, I think you are such an amazing inspiration. What would you like to say to people? Because you have I, I, he, I hear what you're saying. I'm telling you how it turned out. But you want to know, how do you go on when you feel stupid, you feel used, you feel um, like it's all over for you, and you feel as though um, you just you can't you can't stand living in your own skin for an, another minute how do you do that i don't really know i just and you and you 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 your throat is sore from crying every day and every, every night and you um but i don't know i i just know that there is a god and for some reason you get from moment to moment and after a while the moments turn into weeks and months and after a while you don't cry as often but you're always sad and um but I know I, I hope that the love of people, the love of uh, the, the help that I got from people that I didn't even know, um, and just even people would give me clothes because uh, I literally was was poor at, at one time. I mean, broke, and at one time was was actually homeless without a roof over my head. And I, I think maybe maybe one of the things that really really helped me though is I have a daughter, and when you have someone else to love and care about. It will keep you trying to at least stay alive because I think if you get so as overwhelmed as you can and you don't have someone else to care about, possibly you would just commit suicide because it's too miserable to keep on being with those horrible thoughts. I think the support that you're getting at, how do you get through that? Well, I think you're showing us how you did it. I mean, I think anyone listening knows you are truly a diva in the best sense of the word. And I love honoring your spirit tonight, Miss Melba Moore. And so... I've invited one of your fans to be on our show because he wanted to ask you questions because so many people love your music, follow your career. We're waiting anxiously for the new album. And Alex, are you on the line with us? I'm trying to get off speaker. <laughs> All right. Here he is. He's a big Melba Moore fan. Meet Melba, uh, Alex. Yes. yes. Hello. Hello. Hi, Actually, hi Alex. Nervous. Nice to hear you. <laughs> and what was your hi. question for Melba, Alex? Oh, I had a few, but uh, one of my biggest things is it was it was so great. Uh, I was obsessed with the original cast recording from Hair for a long period in college because we put it up as a show at my college, and I remember reading the liner notes and seeing your name in it, and I was always just like, wow, so many people, you know, were involved, and I always I always wondered what it's like for artists like you and Cher and Patti LaBelle to be have gone through so many different genres and so many years in the music industry and wow. how that like how that like affects like you know how how <laughs> how do you you know how do you sustain that you know I know you said it was mm-hmm. a business but how does it like well, how do you I deal with the changes mean, in the industry yeah I didn't I didn't mean to, to I just didn't want it to seem like it's just a fairy tale and it just we were just out there yeah. flowing and we were just so talented and so smart that it just happened for us. I just <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to give credit too to even my uh, ex husband who's a genius business person who really engineered and went out and made those deals and pounded the the, the, the payments to get the doors open for me. I just wanted to do that too. But in, in terms of the, the different genres, well. Um, I guess one of the things, the things that happens is you have people helping you direct your career, and whatever is popular, you, you can't. 
you can't mimic it, but you have to try to fit into it because that's the genre that exists, that's the community that you live in at that time. So you try to figure out, well, how can I do this? And you and you sing like this when you and you try to belt and you try to, you know, mm-hmm. get up and say, can I do? You do. You keep trying. I think I think that's what it is. And and then uh, you keep searching and trying to figure. out, Well, my voice is not like that person. I can't do that. But what can I do? You keep searching. Yeah. <laughs> and what happens? I'm laughing because what happens is you develop and discover these different persons. Personalities of, of yours, <laughs> and even and in doing. What's uh, your next question? Uh, well, even in doing her album now, a lot of what you see, especially when you see artists with uh, the same type of longevity, you know, people will ask, or even like I watch a lot of Wendy Williams, she'll ask uh, mainly two questions, like, like what what do you think of the industry now? Because there's been so many changes in the way radio works, especially in the U.S and things like that, and the Internet. Like, Stevie Nicks hates the Internet. Like, she wouldn't <laughs> sing any songs from her new album live because she's like, I don't want it to end up on YouTube. So what are like, your feelings about the whole Internet proliferation and how we had the big pirating thing in the late 90s and all that and how it's changed the industry, especially with, like, deregulation and all that? Well, I think it's all the way live, and God keeps doing a new thing, and you better just get adjusted to it and I think it's, as far as like YouTube and all that's concerned what I do now is I have someone always like um, come with me to photograph me so I have at least a little bit of control over some of the photographs but I also have learned how to do my makeup and my costuming understanding that everybody's got a camera phone and you could you could wind up anywhere so I, I choose to adjust yeah okay. I love it well thanks Alex for joining us and no Melba, hang on, because I don't know if he's a relative or not, but our spotlight guest in the diabetes side of things is Thomas Moore, the Chief Communications Officer for Blue Heel Society. I don't know about you, Melba, but I'm wearing my blue suede shoes tonight. So please <laughs> welcome to the show, Thomas Moore. Welcome, Thomas. Thomas, are you Hi, there? Everybody. Yes, I am. How's everybody doing? I feel hey, like we're having a more family reunion tonight. <laughs> Gosh, I, I am so honored to, to follow Miss Moore. I, I'm speechless, and that doesn't happen very often, let me say. <laughs> now, you're all the way in California, and everyone wants to hear a little bit more. Uh, I don't know, Melba, have you ever heard of the Blue Heel Society? No, this is my first time. All right. Well, why don't you tell us first what the Blue Heel Society is all about, Thomas? Sure. Um, And thank you for having me, Max. It's quite an honor. And and I tell you, my roots go back to New York uh, in in many different ways. And uh, my my heart will always be there. But the Blue Heel Society um, pretty much came about as a couple of people were thinking, well, how can we best represent diabetes awareness and education and research without being negative uh, and without being overt and, and overpowering and, you know, like like some you might see in here. Uh, and also it's difficult because uh, I think in a way, even though we have the diabetes online community, social networking and diabetes never seem to take off, and it's interesting so you find either uh, the big organizations are still around, such as Diabetic, Two Diabetes, and so forth. So having a little organization as the Blue Heel Society that just promotes the wearing of blue shoes without having a sign on saying, yeah, I'm promoting diabetes. So 
someone's asking you, well, how can, where'd you get those beautiful blue shoes? Well, I got them wherever, Newman Marcus, and this is why I'm wearing them. So there the discussion begins. Um, so yeah. we, we see people. And Thomas, you, um, this is so fascinating because, Melba, you inspired so many people with your music. And, Thomas Moore, you were inspired by a woman to get involved in the Blue Heel Society. That's correct. My wife, um, who's been a diabetic almost 20 years, is the reason uh, that I became an advocate and so forth because it, it came to a time where I just knew I didn't know enough about diabetes. I mean, you walk out of the office after diagnosis, and, I, you know, one of the first places we went was what we call the health food store, the local health food store. You know, we walk in there thinking, okay, well, what are we actually looking for? You know, what are we or looking out for, I should say? And we didn't really know then what a carb was, how it, you know, it fits into the whole equation. But uh, that is why I got involved, and, you know, I stumbled across the diabetes online community. And one thing that kind of hit on was that you hear a lot about diabetes, per se, quote, unquote, but you don't hear enough about the diabetic, quote, unquote. You know, uh, so that's something that I've, I've tried to keep in me as I became an advocate because of my diabetic wife, and that's how it just fit in so nicely with the Blue Hill Society because, you know, as I said, we, we can have people out uh, doing a, a promotion or, or a charity event for the lo- local dog shelter and, um, and and have a booth for the Blue Hill Society or wear blue shoes, put the dogs in blue. So we, we promote not just going out all full force about diabetes. Keep in mind the person that we're trying to help. Keep in and mind tell everyone we, how they could find out, where they could go to find out more about the Blue Hill Society. Sure. You can just go to BlueHillSociety.org. That's B-L-U-E-H-E-E-L-S-O-C. IETY.org, and that's our main site and our blog, and you can find out um, everything about the team, which is I can't go, I could go on and on about it. Just well, I wanted I wanted you to explain a little bit just about your health status because over the course of getting involved with Blue Heel Society with your wife Diane, (laughs) things began to change for you personally as well. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Sure. Actually, my wife's name is Julie. Diane is one of the co-founders of Blue Heel, but that's okay. She feels like my, my sister wife sometimes, or just my sister. Take your pick. Um, <laughs> All right. So your health status changed after uh, several years. Now, how are you affected by diabetes personally? Yes, that's correct. Um, after about, oh, gosh, 10 or more years, I um, got in, uh, some health coverage. So, of course, I decided, well, look, i got to try to stay healthy because there's lots of people that I love uh, and lots of reasons to stay healthy. Probably, number one, practicing what I've been preaching for five or six years to the diabetes community. And uh, one of the tests, of course, I was doing as normal uh, lab work was an A1C, and mine came back uh, at 5.8. Now, at that point, of course, my doctor was talking pre-diabetic, you know, and, and we hear that term a lot. And I wasn't really 100% convinced that that group of people actually existed, per se, because it's it's so wide the scope. I mean, it, how can you really put a number on that? Because there's so many people walking around that don't know they have any kind of blood glucose uh, issue at all. And that's scary, you know. That's really scary. So, anyway, I found out that I was pre-diabetic, so I basically just went into the mode 
that um, I've been trying to help my wife do for the last almost 20 years. Uh, and, and it's interesting because all of a sudden I became a patient. Now, I was very uncomfortable being a patient, and I still am, I, I guess I would say, because there were some other, you know, not major health issues, but health issues just the same that, you know, kind of came up in testing. So it's, it's kind of a, you know, I just have to keep on the regiment and, and just do what I'm supposed to do and, and try to do the best I can without Oh, well, you know, us. we're always talking about being the diva in the doctor's office, and actually you've got one here sitting with us, Melba Moore. Plus, Thomas, <laughs> you're surrounded by the Charlie's Angels of Outreach. We've got Helene Saborn from Mount Sinai Medical Center, also the founder of DiabetesFamilies.com. Hello, Helene. You're there. Hi, I'm with you. And we've got Susan Wiener, who's a registered dietitian, certified diabetes educator, and soon to be a published author. Hello, Susan. Hello, divas. And Patricia Addy Jensel, my sweet peach from Atlanta, Georgia. Hello, uh, Patricia. Hello, divas. So you know what time it is, uh, Thomas. We have to ask you if you're ready. Are you ready? Um, I think I am, yes. Oh, Thomas, you might learn to regret those words because it's time for Diabetes <laughs> Numerology Game. That's right. Here's how we play. Our famous Diabetes Numerology Game works this way. I'm going to read aloud a random blood sugar value along with a related situation while you hold Miss Melamore's hand. Then I'll ask you to tell us how you would deal with this situation. Next, the angels will discuss your solution and share some tips. Remember, if you're playing along with us tonight, Keep in mind that one solution doesn't work for everyone. Check with your doctor to find out what your specific game plan should be and visit divamedic.org for free diabetes numerology game downloads. Thomas. Okay. Are you ready for your situation? Yes, sir. I believe so. All right, Malamara, I think you starred in this film because your situation is loosely based on the animated film All Dogs Go to Heaven. Is that right, Malamara? Mm. That's correct. <laughs> oh, that's and awesome. what was the role you played in that movie? Oh, um, the Whippet. All right. And the diabetes numerology situation, Thomas, is you're running away from a crazy monster as you investigate the murder, the murder with the help of your deceased dog. Your diabetes <laughs> numerology blood sugar value tonight is 56. Thomas, what would you do? Um, I would probably just grab something light uh, in carbs, you know, tending towards a, a, a juice drink or perhaps uh, eat something with some slow-acting carbs in it um, because that, that number to me is, of course, borderline hypo. However, uh, it's not one where I would get scared at. So there again, I would suggest, just grabbing a couple of carbs, um, nothing that's going to spike you real quick. And especially if you're still running either from the dog or to uh, the, the solution to whomever murdered whom, then you <laughs> might want to take that into effect too. So I would I would do that and then, of course, test maybe uh, as soon as you can find a hiding spot. So, All right. Patricia, Addie Denzel, how did Thomas do? What Thomas did, okay, he is absolutely correct in the fact that you need to stop running. <laughs> you don't want to exercise.
exercise with a blood sugar of 56. However, 56 is, is not so borderline. Anytime the um, blood sugar is 70 or below, you do need to treat it, and you need to treat it with a fast-acting carb, 15 grams of carbohydrate. We use that rule of 15 where you would check the blood sugar in 15 minutes after the treatment, and if you're not um, up to an act adequate number, then you still want to retreat. So, yes, do stop running. The adrenaline and the exercise will definitely continue to make your blood sugar go lower. So you want to stop running. You want to find that hiding spot, but you want to go ahead and treat with the fast-acting uh, carbohydrate. And Susan Wiener, when people are having low blood sugars, they can be hallucinating and seeing deceased dogs, right? That's very true. When your blood sugar is low, sometimes you can't make good decisions because you don't have an active form of carbohydrate or glucose going to your brain and helping you think. Even when you're reading something and you wind up reading it one, two, or three times, you finally might realize, I have to check my blood sugar, it's probably low, and I can't think. So Thomas, although I think you had some, some good ideas and suggestions there, I also agree I would treat it with some fast-acting glucose like some glucose tablets or even a gel or a couple of candies or Skittles and get that number back above 70. Mm. Great. And Helene, yes. so many families, you know, the person with living with diabetes is always so uh, holds on to the diabetes. They don't really share it with the family. What do you like to tell families living with diabetes about treating highs and lows? Well, certainly you want to always be prepared. And if the family is going out for a uh, an exercise afternoon, like jogging together, you want to make sure the person with diabetes is checking before, during, and after that run. And you always want to have maybe a few hard candies with you in a, in a belly pack so you're prepared for anything. Great advice. And Thomas, for playing Diabetes Numerology game tonight and helping us raise awareness in a fun new diva way and blue teal uh, society way, you're going to get a new natural gift basket filled with diabetic safe, low glycemic, tooth friendly sweeteners, a cabbage cheese delicious gift basket, a healthy chocolate basket from Lily at www.simple-approach-2-healthy-living.com. And Level Foods gift basket containing delicious tasting glucose gel that will raise your blood sugar twice as fast as it half the calories of soda. Which radio show makes you feel like a diva or dude, Thomas Moore? Oh, well, thank you so much. I have a kind of a funny story here about treating lows. Um, wait, fortunately, wait, wait, hold on we're gonna hold, that will be our cliffhanger because I, you know what, all this downloadable music, we're on demand. I wanted to bring in, we've got uh, one of my favorite divas. She's our digital diva. She comes in every once in a while with me and loves to give the 411 on what some of these new mobile apps are. I'm sure, um, Melba, you've seen your music all over iTunes and things, but today you could get advice, not only great music, you could get fitness routines, diabetes apps, food menus all online. So please welcome our digital diva, Tara, from Boston. Hi, Max. Hi, divas. Hi. Thanks for inviting me. Hello. 
Thomas and Melba, guess what? Tonight, there's more than one goddess in the room because Tara, uh, Taryn, excuse me, Taryn is going to help me review two diabetes apps. And our first one is Endo Goddess. Now, Endo Goddess yeah. is a new diabetes app designed by Dr. Jen Geyer, an Ohio-based endocrinologist. Dr. Jen created the app that allows patients to earn points for every day that they log their blood sugars four times. The points can be cashed in for songs like Mel Moore's This Is It or Lean On Me on iTunes. Or you stepped into my yeah. life for that matter. That's what I was listening to earlier. Um, Karen, what did you think? What was the good thing about this app? Mm, well, I had high hopes for Endo Goddess. I really liked the name. Um, I liked the idea. Um, but it kind of goes back, you know, to some of the other ones we've reviewed in the past. Um in the end, um, it's again, it's basically just a journal for for journaling your blood glucose numbers. Um, and well, I think you know, um, I have you know, I, I think that unfortunately, it it just um, it doesn't do much more than that. Um, and so it's a lot of um, I don't know. There just isn't a lot of um, it's, it's visually not very interesting. Either. Yeah, it doesn't uh, sound very goddess. I looked at it quickly myself, and I have to say, yeah. whack or wow, I'm getting it a... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, Are you getting it a whack? Uh, no, it's a whack, unfortunately. I wanted to like it. <laughs> oh, all right, our second app up for discussion is Diabetes IQ, produced by US, uh, UCSF. The new Diabetes... Oh. IQ app is primarily provides knowledge, quizzes, video presentations, and content covering a variety of important topics like subtracting fiber and hitting carbs when evaluating food intake. Taryn, what did you think of this, the Diabetes IQ app? Now, this one I, I did like. Um, I, I liked the quizzes. They're interactive. Um, they have a lot of different um, topics. You can keep going. You, you finish one quiz, you take another. Um, I felt like it, it kept you involved. Hello? Uh-oh. Oops. Oh, Taryn, are you there? I think I, she dropped off. I think she was saying they kept you involved and she liked that app. Are we, uh, we lost her for a second. We'll see if she calls right back in to finish that. But I think overall, everybody, she was giving it a thumbs up. And I looked at it, too, and I have to say that I enjoyed it as well. Well, we've got time to meet my favorite diva, Melba Moore. Yes. And her name is... Mama Rosemary is my favorite diva, and with me we've got Thomas Moore, Melba Moore, and now there's more to love because it's my very own mother, Mama Rosemary. Hello, Mama Rosemary. Hello, Max, and hello, Moores. It's wonderful <laughs> that you have both of them there. <laughs> what a wonderful um, month this has been with the Moors, and um, this is a wonderful March month welcoming in the spring, which gives everybody just a little bit more time to do their exercise. So I'd like to encourage everyone this month to remember that all of us have those days that we don't really feel like working out. That's natural. But you always have to remember how good you feel after that workout. And remembering that feeling will hopefully 
get you to moving. So happy spring, one and all. Ciao for now. <laughs> Thanks, Mama Rosemary. Now, before we had a uh, diva question for you. Mm-hmm. How do you prefer your diamonds? Would you rather wear them in ring, bracelet, necklace, or earring form? I want to dress in diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. And it could be many. Don't have to be long. <laughs> <laughs> it could be kind of short. Well, actually, wait. Today on Facebook, you were talking about um, being classy on stage. I think you would be an amazing judge on one of these reality shows. I, I really appreciated your advice. So tell everyone, you were talking a little bit how you feel some of today's um performers might be a little bit too provocative on stage when they're dressing? Um, well, I'm not looking for modesty, but um, I, I think you can. You, everybody wants to be sexy, and I think, first of all, healthy is sexy. So if you're not in shape, don't show us. <laughs> but <laughs> also, um, if you are in shape, um, I don't know, just have some... Um, what can I say, um, line and, and uh, design to your, your, your outfit. Don't let it just be lingerie. And um, sometimes leave a little something to the imagination. Let there be a little bit of mystery. I, I know we're not going to really get modesty, but if we can get a little a little taste. All right. And Patricia Addy Gentle, uh, that makes me think of sexy little numbers. Tonight we want to talk a little bit about cholesterol. What did you want to say to the listeners about cholesterol? Well, I would like to just add that cholesterol levels are very important for everybody, but especially for those people who have a diagnosis of diabetes because one of the number one complications from diabetes is heart disease. And cholesterol mm-hmm. has great impact on the development of heart heart disease. So you want to keep it you want to keep an LDL cholesterol less than 100. That's the bad cholesterol. That's the one that comes from, it's the heavier, thicker uh, animal fat. And then the HDL, HDL is the healthy cholesterol, and it helps to protect your heart. And it comes from sources like avocados, monosaturated uh, oil, plant kind of fat. So that's the healthier one, and you want to have a HDL of about 50 or so, especially for women who tend to have more heart disease as uh, the aging process and menopause starts. So for men, we say 40 may be okay, but at least 50 for women. And 50 is good. That's a good rule of thumb for everybody. And triglyceride levels should be less than 150. So uh, in keeping with the thoughts that you want your heart to be healthy and you want to protect it and decrease risk for heart disease, it's also important to exercise, which helps to keep that cholesterol in good line and to keep a weight that is in the desirable range and quit smoking if you're a smoker. Great. And Karen, are you back on the air? Yes, I'm so sorry. I have no idea. <laughs> well, you were the cliffhanger, darling. We're all dying to know. Melba, Thomas, we all want to, we want to know what's going on with Diabetes IQ. What did you give it, a whack or a wow, darling? Oh, I give it a wow. I thought it was just oh. wonderful. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I feel like I could learn something, and it was very interactive. Nice. And now, yeah. Thomas, you had another cliffhanger for us. You are going to tell us a funny story about your low blood sugar. 
Yes, um, we've been very fortunate over the years that she doesn't experience uh, hypoglycemic low moments very often, and she's good at catching the, the, the signs. However, there has been actually two times where she accidentally injected fast-acting insulin, Novolog, thinking it was, uh, you know, uh, slow-acting Lantus. Mm. So you talk about going into a mode of just complete, what the heck do we do now, you know? Uh, so that that was, that was really probably my scariest moment dealing with diabetes. And um, fortunately, I didn't freak out very long, and I immediately went to the DOC, Diabetic Online Committee, and said, what the heck should we do? And, of uh, course, you got some excellent help. And uh, let me just say that to this day she looks at maple syrup uh, in a little bit different way because she was literally doing shots of maple sugar just to make sure blood sugar didn't tank. So. Wow. Well, she needs to check in with the Charlie's Angels of Outreach. Malba Moore, I've been seeing you're all over Europe with your show. You're doing performances, and you've got an album coming up for all of us Malba fans. Tell the audience about, can you just tell us a little bit more about your new project? Uh, well, it's coming together. I'm not finished yet. I had the uh, first single, which is called Love Is, which you can get on my website or iTunes or any of the um, Internet, uh, what do you call them, networks. <laughs> Okay. And I'm finishing the album now, and it's going to be entitled Forevermore. I had that song finished, too, but I'm not letting anybody hear it yet. But I, I hope to have it finished by um, maybe the end of spring. And I you're love performing it. In, you're performing, you've been performing in Europe, but your one-woman show, is it coming to New York or anywhere in the States anytime soon? Well, I haven't been performing that recently. I'm getting ready to go on tour with a concert uh, to the U.K. I'm going to the Jazz Cafe in, a couple, in Manchester and a few places in, in, uh, in and around England. I mean, London, excuse me. Well, thank you for the gift of music and also for inspiring us and talking so candidly tonight about your own mm -hmm. personal story and how what you've overcome to get back on stage. I mean, I think, listeners, this is the best part about being a diva is having the patience, the perseverance, and the pride to really go after your dreams and fulfill them and to really stay on top of your health and managing mm -hmm. it like yeah. Miss Melba Moore. So, Melba Moore, we thank you, we salute you, and yeah. listeners, once again, this is our March of the Divas Month, so now's the time to donate to divabetic.org and join us on our Facebook pages, like us on Facebook, and tune into my free monthly podcast, Family Diabetes Roundtable, but third page to trust, and check out my videos on Mr. Divabetic's YouTube channel. I just posted one with one of my other favorite divas, Mother Love, the other day. Thomas Moore, how did you like the show? Oh, I had a blast. Uh, thank, you. thank you so much again for inviting me, and what an honor to be among uh, some legends, let me tell you. And Melba Moore, how is it being on the show? Yeah, I get, I get, can Fantastic. I give one more you, you make me seem such a hero, and it's fun, too. Thank you so much. And I love I love your other guests. It was very, very, very informative for me. All right. And Elaine, thank you for being on the show. Uh, Patricia Eddie, Jim thank you for joining us. Darren from Boston will be back with another digital video review in the coming months. Remember, every dude has an entourage, and I'm excited to be part of yours. Let's get happy and stay healthy together. I'd like to thank all my guests. And especially, I'd like to thank you for listening.